Good morning. Hey. It is time to skip the BS. Time for Undisputed. Time for you to hit us up at hashtag Undisputed Live. We will get to LeBron's historically great and historically bad night in just a few minutes. Only LeBron could go greatest, worst, all at once. But we'll talk to John Sally about that. He'll join us to go deeper into all of the above. But now it is time for me to welcome my guys, Richard Sherman and Keyshawn Johnson, to talk a little Justin Fields and Caleb Williams. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good, good morning, morning Skip. Good morning. All right, here we good go. Good morning, Skip. Last night at Minnesota, Bears quarterback Justin Fields nearly lost the game by losing two fourth-quarter fumbles. Then... He actually won the game with two late throws that put the Bears in position to kick the winning field goal. 12 to 10 Bears. A little hard to watch until the wild finish. Yet, Joshua Dobbs fell back to earth last night with four interceptions, which allowed the Bears to run 11 more plays and have the ball 36 minutes to only 24 for the home team, the Vikings. And yet, with all those chances, they managed only four field goals, which again raises the question. The Bears had the first pick in the draft last year and chose to keep Justin Fields and trade that pick, of course, to Carolina instead of taking Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whichever other quarterback they might have favored. Now they're on track to again have the number one overall pick plus the fourth pick in the draft. So this time, should they take Caleb Williams? Keyshawn, you're very familiar with Caleb, obviously. What's your opinion on all of the above? No, they shouldn't. I, I, I like the fascination about uh, Caleb Williams. It's, it's great. Heisman Trophy, USC quarterback, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, throws it all over the lock, can move around, looks like Patrick Mahomes. All I get it. That was a pretty good description, actually. I, I get it, though, Skip. But, <laughs> yeah. but no, they should not. And here's why. Here's a quarterback that has had multiple offensive coordinators and head coaches in a three-year span. This is really his second year. And what I mean by that, his first year, in and out, whatever, Mitch, who's going up the boop, all these different quarterbacks. Now, all of a sudden, he gets an opportunity to start. First-time head coach, first-time offensive coordinator. Then his second year in the situation, he doesn't have any real wide receivers DJ Moore is the only guy. I mean, he's real. No, though. no, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. I'm saying, real wide receivers. Okay. DJ Moore is right. the only guy. Yeah. He's out there with St. Brown mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you know Tunyon the tight end mm-hmm. and and then there's Mooney. I mean, like think about it, Skip. What has he done so egregious with all the different stuff that's going on in Chicago that you want to move on from him in year two? Mm. Imagine if Trevor Lawrence. Just imagine if Trevor Lawrence did not get Doug Peterson at the quarterback position. I mean, as a head coach mm-hmm. to yeah. coach him up at the quarterback mm-hmm. position. Yep. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. What would we be saying about Trevor Lawrence? What would we be saying about Josh Allen if Brandon Bean didn't realize, hmm, I need to go get him a playmaker in Stephon Diggs? Because early on in Buffalo, they were scratching their head about what Josh Allen really was. So when you start to think about these young quarterbacks, because I continue to try to educate people to understand, situations and circumstances are important with young quarterbacks. And until you get something 
and put them around that that will make them successful, you are always going to scratch your head. You didn't say, well, last night he had two fumbles, had nothing to do with. Okay, well, that is true. He fumbled twice. They didn't lose the game. He had 13 attempts to his number one guy who had 11 receptions. He did. Imagine if he had a half of DJ Moore on the other side of DJ Moore. Mm -hmm. Imagine what that would look like. And you, you got to think about it, though, Richard. If he had a half of DJ Moore on the other side, imagine what he would oh, look like. Brock Purdy looks like Brock Purdy because he's got Ayuk, he's got Kittle, Kittle, mm -hmm. he's got an offensive mind in Shanahan, he's got CMC, he's got, got Debo Samuel. Yeah. I mean, I can go on and on. He got a left tackle. I can go on and on and on. So I'm not because Caleb is going to be in the same situation. He's going to a right. bad team in a bad situation. Now I trust. I'm going to trust Ryan Poles to do the right thing in terms of using these picks smartly. Because the guy that I would go get for him, the number one guy I would go get, whether it's at the first pick or the fourth pick, is Marvin Harrison Jr. You just interviewed him. Uh, that's the one yep. guy I'm going to get out of all the receivers in college football. I'm grabbing him. Would you take him first? Yeah, I probably would, depending on what my needs are. Do I think he's going to be there at four. four. Probably not because the Cardinals need him at two. They do. So if the Cardinals take him at two, then I can't get him at four. So I probably would do that at one. I probably would because I think I got my quarterback. Now I need to surround him with some playmakers. Mm. Go, Richard. Well, I'm with you, King. I, I, I think it depends on what you do with the coach situation. If you keep the same head coach, then you've got to keep Justin Fields because what's the point of bringing Caleb Williams into this situation? It's going to be the same result. I think you build around him. Um, it's something Andrew Whitworth said on TNF <laughs> when we had the Bears game. Yeah, I'm, That's I'm still right. fighting. Don't worry about me, man. That's good. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, fighting. But uh, – it's something Andrew Whitworth said. You should build the defense up, trade the first pick, gain a lot more picks. Maybe don't move too far, though. Second, third pick. And then build the team around him so you have a strong team around him because that's how championship teams are built. You have great foundational pieces. We talk about how the Houston Texans are building. They have the tackle, the, the corner, the, the quarterback, the DN. I mean, that's how you build winning football. So until you build... Great team around him. I mean, it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He can't do it all by himself. Mm. So, Keyshawn, yes, are sir. you sure you're not speaking with heart overhead? Are you sure it's not because you just don't want Caleb in Chicago? No. You don't no. want him with those sad sack bears like Justin is stuck with right now? No, because I, I, I honestly, Skip, I honestly believe that Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Caleb Williams. You do? I honestly really? believe that. I'm shocked you're saying No, I, I honestly believe it. he's bigger, faster, stronger. He's got a crazy arm. But when you're not coach, Skip, yeah. here's what I'm going to say, man. I hate to bring it to myself, but I have to because that's the reality of it, and I've lived it. When I had Richie Kotite as my coach, okay, I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I mean, that's just a reality. I, I, got Bill, I got Bill Parcells and died and went to heaven because he knew what to do with me. He understood. And that's important when you got young quarterbacks. It, look, whether they keep Iberflus or not, they need to figure out, Skip, on an offensive step, what can this quarterback do so well that we can continue to win? Mm. Because what you don't want to do if you're Ryan Poles is move him 
And he goes to Sean McVay. I'm just using Sean McVay as an example. Mm -hmm. He goes to Sean McVay. And all of a sudden, you look up and you go, damn, mm -hmm. what did I just mm -hmm. do? When I'm not really looking at it the way I need to, which mm -hmm. is it's only his second year as a full-time starter. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's my take on Justin Fields, and this is why I would take Caleb over Justin. And I have high regard for Justin because he has shown me again and again, late in these games as he did last night, yes. he's got football toughness and character about him because he had to pick himself up off the mat after losing two fumbles. What time was it? It was with nine, nine and a half minutes left, and then he lost another one at 3.30. I think we're show, we've been showing those. But th these are game wreckers. Th these are can't do it on the road and get away with it kind of turnovers that should have lost the game. But the Bears defense hung in, as I mentioned in the open, Joshua Dobbs had fallen back to earth. He was having an awful night and, and just he could not pick himself up off the mat. And Correct. all of a sudden, Justin Fields gets a shot late and he took advantage. But what happened on those two big pass plays? It's the first play of the drive. Let's, let's look at it to DJ. And then the third and 10 play, the, the first play, he bolts up, he scrambles up to the left, and he's on the run across his body. Bam. He, he actually threw it behind DJ, though. He threw it behind him. DJ made a nice sort of turn and catch. And then there's the third and 10. And he also threw that behind him. Th those were not accurate throws, but DJ caught both of them. Well, that's what the he receiver was wide open. I feel like your catch rate is okay. you need to catch it. All right. But what have I said about Justin from the start? He is not a consistently accurate thrower of the football. He's got a nice arm. Give you that. But, but, but not skip. consistently accurate with the football. And I've watched him a whole – obviously, I watched not, him at Ohio not State. You, not yeah. you, but many people. Mm -hmm. You may be in this bunch. I don't mm -hmm. know. But many people said the same thing early on about Lamar Jackson. He's not an accurate thrower. No, He's I never not heard an, accurate. No, 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 no. They – many people – Many people said he was not an accurate thrower. I just want to – the only reason why I stopped you there is to bring that up. I mean, it's he, not, people say it looked early. awkward throwing the football, but it, nah, they boy, said he was, was throwing darts. Too. No, they said okay. – me and you see darts, yeah. but other people said Ooh. he was inaccurate. Okay, and then he won the MVP. I mean, I mean, the same thing they said <clears throat> about Josh Allen. I mean, he was throwing the ball high. Yeah. He was throwing Sometimes the ball really hard, no go. touch. Yeah, yeah. I just see it more consistently inaccurate with Justin than consistently accurate. And, and that you, would you, scare you, me for the long haul. The long haul. But, but Skip, you oh. might sit back in three years and say, you know what? He just doesn't throw it cleanly enough and consistently enough to win right. at the highest level. But, I, but coming out of college, and, I, and coming out of college, these were the things that were said about him. Oh, he's just, he's done, he didn't process the information correctly. How can you process the information correctly if I'm, you're continuing to change me with head coaches and coordinators and I don't have any help point. around me? Yeah. You get me DJ Moore, so now I got to force feed him, yeah. okay, which I am. And yeah, a couple of those passes are slightly thrown behind mm -hmm. DJ, but as long as it's in the catch radius, it was. it's not and, thrown and behind DJ's him. not Keyshawn. He's not 6'4". You know, he's a, a smaller receiver, and he was able to swing and turn and catch and pivot and catch. Are you going okay. right. to get 12 attempts for 100 yards from Caleb Williams in the National Football League on the ground? When you don't have a running game? Mm. No, but you're well, going to get it from him. He is the running game. Justin is. Yeah. And by the way, he takes my breath away every time I watch him because – 
He has that effortless acceleration that sort of you, you can't even sort of see it with the naked eye. He's he suddenly he's at top. He's a long strider. And once he hits top speed, I, I, I was saying last year, he's, he looks like Eric Dickerson to me once he gets rolling because he is a threat down the field to run with the football for a long in way. The, in the second fumble, well, it was a careless it mistake. Was, it was. Not you're realizing trying much, you're trying to do too much you know, and not well, realizing right. there's somebody coming from behind yeah. and they're going to come. Every single time, and Richard played defense, he can tell you this. Yeah. When you're not paying attention and the defender's coming from behind, you're going to probably fumble. There you go. No question. And they're going for the football. But I, I think, football. to your point, Keyshawn, they got to get a tackle and they get Marvin Harrison Jr. I think then you start talking about an offense that, that can do some damage. Okay. Now back to Caleb. And obviously, I've watched him very closely because he was at my school. I grew up loving Oklahoma. Keyshawn, he was you there are for one semester. Big, Relax. One semester. It was some semester. <laughs> Whew. He, he walked on the field in the Texas game. And before I knew it, he's going 80 yards for a touchdown. Okay. So what do I see from Caleb? He's not the tallest guy. No. He's, he's about six-ish six, feet, yeah, right, six right, feet. Right around six feet. But he is stout. He's got a leg, a power base. Nice trunk. It's, it's a little more like Jalen Hurts, a little more, not quite that, that strong. But listen, you want to talk, as you know, you want to talk escapability. You want to talk about playmaking. You want to talk about rocket arm. It, he has got a flat out bazooka. It, he, he can fling it. From any position off platform, he can throw it 70 yards, and he, he made some plays even this year mm-hmm. that were Mahomes-esque where you just say, I, I don't know how you stopped that. And, right? and what I would say, Skip, is this is, it's not that I don't – I love Caleb. Caleb's, yeah. <laughs> I wish he would come back, but I don't want him coming back. I want him to go get his money. But at the same time, I don't need to move off of yeah. Justin Fields for Caleb. It does, it, we're, we're not ta- – this isn't – uh, 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 Mac Jones we're talking about. This no, is not one not of those Mac situations. No, I, I give you that, but we're talking about a cut above in Caleb. And look, this year I thought he tried to live up to the Heisman that he won last year. And my, my issue with him is that he won't throw it on time. He, he lives to escape and create, right? Yeah. He, he, he lives to play some backyard sort of football because he really enjoys that. He thrives on it. And I think he was driving Lincoln a little crazy because there's no one, two, three gone. You know, it's not he, he wouldn't throw it on time in his progression. And it, the, the problem is that they were losing games because he wasn't making enough of the easy plays. He was only making a few hard plays. So what did you end up? You, you went seven and five. I don't know. Are you going to go to a bowl? I didn't, he, Am hey, I going to go? But, but you're not going to go. I didn't even go. go to the UCLA game. <laughs> okay, Why would I go there, to a bowl? There you go. Well, I don't think Caleb's going to go to the bowl because I'm pretty sure he's going to be the first pick in the draft. Okay. So you went from 11-3 last year to seven and five. And he went from 42 touchdowns a year ago to five interceptions to 30 to five. Okay, so he was 12 short, but he still rushed for 11 rushing touchdowns. I I just think he's going to be, I'll just do this, a little better player than Justin Fields. Is that fair to say, a little better? I I can't say that, Skip. I cannot agree with you on that one because it's too early in the process for either one of these two to really get a real gauge. You just mentioned how Justin, and I said this before, Justin Fields has some things, and I said it last night as I was texting back and forward with the producer. I said he has some stuff that a lot of quarterbacks 
they don't have in the National Football League. And I'm not talking about being able to put the ball on the ground and run. Okay. I'm just talking about those intangibles of I did something wrong, no problem. I'm not uh, hanging my head. Richard, I'm going to figure out how to get this done. That throw at the end, even though it was slightly behind uh, DJ Moore on a deep in cut, that's a laser of a throw. That's a Patrick Mahomes throw that we saw the other night against right. uh, uh, who did they lose to? Um, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Okay. That's yeah, the sure. same throw yeah. mm-hmm. at the end of the game on fourth down that Patrick Mahomes tried to make to Watson, who dropped it. Mm. That's the same throw. Right. And by the way, that was third and ten at the Minnesota yeah, and, 49. And, so that was what, that was what, getting do or die. What's getting true is is when he has his feet set in the pocket and he and he delivers he delivers good accurate passes most of the time when his feet are set and he's going through his progressions and he locks in on a guy. We've seen flashes of Justin Fields looking really good as a passer. So, I mean, you just need to get him in the right situation. You need, maybe you need to change coordinators. Maybe get more talent around him, and things will look different. I, I, I you know, yes, yeah, Skip, Ch- changing the coordinators, then I'm changing the staff because I would, I personally though, I probably would stick with Eberflus. Stick with the coordinators. Give Justin a second, a third year in the same offense and put some stuff around him. You got to put some stuff around mm-hmm. him, man, mm-hmm. to, li- to lift some of the pressure off of him feeling like he has to do everything. I don't need design runs on 12 attempts. Like, what is this, Nebraska 1980? I mean, like, come on. He shouldn't be having design runs mm-hmm. consistently like that. You just shouldn't. Okay. Not at the quarterback position. Would you agree with me that Caleb Williams has some magic about him? Just some playmaking magic that's rare, that you haven't seen anything quite like that, this side of Mahomes in pro football. Well, you know, I'm old enough to see John Elway play, mm-hmm. so uh, I've seen some magic before. But in college football, it's just something. Caleb has the ability off schedule, like you said, to be able to manipulate the defense, suck them in, throw it over their head. I mean, he has some of that. The difference, though, in college, in the pro skip, is you got dudes that look like Richard Sherman with them full beards and mm-hmm. braids and all that, oh driving them SUVs with car seats in the back. Yep. They coming to get you. Mm-hmm. Where in, high, in college, you looking at a high school dude that just left the prom. All he's doing is watching you in your magic, and he's stopping and watching you run around instead of covering his defender. Mm-hmm. So I look at it a little bit different. You're going at a different level. So some of the things that we see guys do in college, they can't necessarily do in the National Football League for a reason, Mm. because it's hard. It is hard. But if you're the Bears, are you willing to risk passing up those two last year? Again, I'm still bullish on Bryce Young. You're you're out, but but I'm in. I think a lot of people are out. Okay, well, I'm I'm in. (laughs) I'm way in because – I sat here for two long years hanging in with this kid in Philadelphia named Jalen Hurts because I got annihilated on this show for sticking by Jalen Hurts. And now oh, he's well, the – what's that? Nothing. Never mind. Never well, mind. Now, I was about to say about who, but never mind. Right, never mind. <laughs> never but mind. as we speak, he's the MVP favorite. So to your point, you have to hang in and let them figure it out. But Jalen came out here to Tom House out here at USC that yes. you know, the throwing uh-huh. guru. Yep good friend of mine, and and he figured out how to throw it better. He, he improved his delivery, his release, 
And ultimately, it wasn't that Jalen was inaccurate. He, he just he was inconsistent with release points and mechanics. He got his mechanics pure. Yeah. And now he throws pure passes like the one that broke the game open the other day, the, the deep one that he threw when he ran to the sideline. But the, the point right. is, are you sure if you're the Bears that you want to pass on both Bryce and CJ? Yeah, Bri- and, Bryce didn't fit in Chicago. Okay. At right. all. Because of the weather. The yeah. weather. All right. I mean, and then just... do you want to pass on Caleb and the, the kid at North Carolina, I, I've watched him four or five times. I'm not impressed. I, I'm not there. I, I, I say this. I know we got to go pay some bills, but I want to ask you this, Richard, because you cover the games on Thursday nights. Every single quarterback that's considered good in the National Football League, they got multiple receivers around them. Am I right or wrong? You're right. That, that, that's all I'm saying. You can look at Philly. You can look at San Francisco. You can look at Buffalo. You can look at any, you can look at Tua, any, you can look at Dak, any quarterback has multiple receivers around them that's any good. They just do. Right. Hmm. So or they got a good offensive coordinator, or they got a good offensive line, or they got all of the things, all of the above. I mean, you can't bring a kid in into a bad situation with a bad offensive line, one playmaker and be like, hey, Caleb Williams is going to solve all your problems. That's not likely to happen. No, it's not. Okay, so you're saying that if they somehow take Marvin Harrison Jr. and give him that plus DJ, that all of a sudden he will show you that he will be a long-term better NFL quarterback than Caleb Williams? Uh, I don't I don't know that he'll be long-term better NFL quarterbacks. Things still got to fall in place, Skip. But what I would say is they would certainly be headed in the right direction, and Chicago Bear fans should be excited about that. Taking Caleb Williams, he's going to have the same issues, the same issues. Because if you take Caleb Williams, you either firing the coach, you're keeping the coach, and then you're going to fire him next year. So now Caleb will be on right. his second offensive coordinator. I think you just don't want Caleb to get stuck in Chicago. No. Where else is he going to go? Well, that's a good Arizona's point. not going to take no, him. No, they're not. Okay, I'm so not the sure. commanders, I mean, they like Sam Howell. Yeah, but I. You sent him to New England? Yeah, right. You sent him to Let New England? I mean, like, wh- where is he going to go? Somebody could move up and give a, a handsome ransom to Chicago Bears to because they want Caleb and then mm. Chicago can slide down. And still get what they, you know, still get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. If the Cardinals move out of that spot, I mean, you know, because I think the Cardinals will take him at two mm-hmm. if Chicago doesn't take him at one. Yeah. And they should take him at two. Man, I wouldn't wish Belichick right. on any young quarterback, especially Caleb. I think that would be a match made in hell. That's just me. All right. Up next, we got to talk about the game of the week. It could be the game of the year. We're talking about 49ers at Eagle. Hassan Reddick calls out the 49ers, and I love it. Here we go. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Man, did Hassan Reddick ever call out the 49ers ahead of their visit to Philadelphia this Sunday? Of course, a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game in which Niners quarterback Brock Purdy was lost to an elbow injury in the very first series of that game. So Reddick said, and I quote, talk is cheap. They get to come back to the link. It was a lot of boo-hoos last year, a lot of crying, a lot of what if. 
they get a chance to come back in here, line that SH up, and prove it again. Richard Sherman, good idea or bad idea for Hassan Reddick to say what he said? Hey, when you win, Skip, you get to say what you want. You get to say what you want. So it's 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 fine idea with me. At the end of the day, this is a, a, a proven sport. You got to go out there and line it up like he said, and he got to prove and back up his words. Yep. The Niners got to back up the things they've said this offseason. That's what makes it a fun sport. You don't get to hide behind anything. It's also a physical sport. Mm. So you literally have to physically do what you say you're going to do. Are people going to hit you in their mouth? And they're going to hit you in your mouth over and over and over again until you fold. And so this is going to be a fun game to watch. I love all the talking. I love all the energy surrounding it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's the reset button for me, though, in this situation, right? Last year was last year. That's over with. There's new players on the team. Miles Sanders isn't there anymore. It's Swift now. You may be without Lane Johnson. Who knows? So it's a different – it's just a different – it's a different situation. I have zero problems with him saying anything at all with that being said. Here's the, here's the caveat, though, Skip. You got to show up. Yep. Because the two sacks, right. the forced fumble, and knocking Purdy out the game, that was last year. That was last year. Now, it's all cool, fine and dandy. But if they somehow bloody your nose, then these words are going to come back to kind of bite you for a couple days yep. as the talk shows and the you know talking heads yep. start to you know dive into it. Do I think that he'll come up and show – show that he can play, yeah, of course Hassan's going mm-hmm. to show up to the game. But for some reason, Trent Williams gets his hands on him and doesn't allow him to do what he did a year ago in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. We're all going to look up and say, wow, oh, God, they neutralize him. Uh, that's what you get for talking, da-da-da. Mm. But if he goes out there and he duplicates this again, we'll be like, man, that's what we're talking about. He's a dog. We love him. Mm. That's how it goes. And he knows that. Mm. This is why he's saying it. He's motivating himself. He's put a target on his right. back along with his teammates that are probably going to rally around him and mm. try and show up to beat the Niners. Mm. Okay. I'm going to give Hassan Reddick this. He has been showing up and showing out. He showed up against my Cowboys in the fourth quarter. He was all over Dak Prescott. He took him down once, but he was all over him the whole quarter, even though Dak and company were able to go up and down the field. But he had one key sack at a key moment. For, for the season, he's eight and a half sacks, which is tied for 13. So he's not at the top of the top, but, but he's been a force for them across their defensive front that hasn't always been a force. He has been the one who always jumps off my TV screen. So I give you the right to talk on your individual performance. But you guys have heard the old cliche about the empty barrel makes the most noise. It feels like the Eagles defense has a lot of empty barrels right now making a lot of noise because just for the record, I'm just spitting facts here. I'm not embellishing. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making any of this up. The Eagles defense is 20th in points allowed. That's not very good. The Eagles' defense is 30th, that's third from the bottom, in opponents' third-down conversions allowed. So points allowed, third-down conversions allowed, they're, they're just not very good. And as I said yesterday, over the last four games, all victories, thanks to Jalen Hurts for the most part, 
Four straight times they have won games while allowing an average of 430 yards. They have gotten outgained all four victories, which is hard to do. It's just hard to overcome that many yards, that many, that many, and that many, four straight times for an average of 430, while this, this past Sunday against Buffalo, Buffalo goes to their place, goes into their house in a rainstorm and has 505 total yards. 505? So my point is, are, are you sure, Hassan, that your teammates can back you up on this? You've written a check. Can they cash for you? Can they help you cash it? Because all year long, the defense hasn't been very good. Skip. Jalen Hurts has made plays to win close games again and again and again. Skip. Yes. They are 10 and 1. Okay. They are 10 what and 1. What are you talking yeah. about? Well, I'm hey, talking what are you about I'll let facts. you go on. Yeah. You're, tell, you're telling how me many about teams the rankings. Go, how many teams They're go win a Super Bowl with the 20th that, defense and points? Doesn't allowed. matter. They're 10 and 1. I mean, They're 10 the, and 1. the Chiefs have yeah. done it. The Chiefs yeah. have done it. They're 10 and 1. I don't think some, they were some, that bad. Some, I don't think they were 20. Some teams hit in the postseason. Mm-hmm. They hit their stride in the postseason. Okay, offensively, when I won a Super Bowl, yep. we were just saying, okay, whatever. Mm. Get some yards, score some points, whatever. Yep. But when we got to the playoffs, mm. we were a different offense against the 49ers and the Eagles and mm. the Raiders. We were a different offense. Yep. So you can hit and change things around once you get into the postseason. You keep telling me about these yards and what they are and this and that and the other. Man, they're getting ready to have possibly the number one seed in the playoffs mm. going back through Philadelphia to get there. And you're telling me about their statistical numbers are, in are week they, 12. Are they getting ready to do well, that, or are they about ready well, to fall I mean, on their face? I mean, You've been saying that for four weeks now. I mean, they ain't failed yet. How lucky have they, they been? They How lucky have they been? Sometimes How many passes better, do the Chiefs drop? better be lucky than good. See, I don't even want to turn this into a cowboy thing. It's not a cowboy thing. But I am. It's just about the Eagles. I'm, I am, though. How lucky okay. have the Cowboys been with this schedule at the beginning of the year playing against a bunch of dogs that's under 500, Skip? Well, you keep talking about lucky. We're about to see, right? You right. keep telling me, just right. wait until now. Okay, well, now is here. It actually now starts, starts on Thursday. I don't know what Seattle's going to do. I don't know okay. if they're going to show up or what. Well, you've been telling me you know? Seattle's better than that. I actually thought they were. Uh, well, do you I not think they're Obviously, over the last couple of weeks, that's not the case. Okay. Because Dallas is only a nine-point favorite. Nine-point favorite? Really? Okay. Now, I, what were they against the Cardinals? Twelve? Okay. And I'm okay. sorry, that yeah. Richard, to, to derail this to you and skip it and bring up the Cowboys. But... He started talking negative about the Eagles and right. they're 10 and 1. Right. Okay, but what did you right. both say you, about the Kansas City game on Monday night? Did the Chiefs not drop six passes, including I picked the, the game winner? Yeah, I picked but the at Eagles the end to of the beat day, them, no yeah, skips. Yeah. Yeah. Skip, okay, you, this is a proven sport. This isn't, well, got, this isn't about who gets lucky. Well, you did. Nobody, How? nobody remembers. How? Nobody, nobody the remembers that, Skip. drop six balls in a big game. They, did against the they lead the league. They lead the league in drops, Skip. Yeah. So they're going to drop passes. Six. They Skip, literally they lead, lead the league, the league in, in drops. I think the number's at like that's, 28 that's now, 29. Yes, 28. 28. Didn't you all agree that? I ain't dropped 28 passes in 11 years. Yeah. They did. They done done that in 11 games. Yeah. Didn't you all say that right. Valdez Scantling should have caught the pass that hit him in the hands of the goal? He should have, would have, could have. Hey, I can tell you about, about, about a lot of should have, yeah. could have, would have. That okay. didn't win the game. What actually happened was the Philadelphia Eagles won the game. But let's go back to this San Francisco. I'll give you this. Dak, Dak Prescott in the fourth quarter at yes. Philadelphia threw for 173 yards. Okay. Think about that. You do, you're correct. He almost threw he for lost, 200. 
200 yeah. yards in the fourth in quarter. In the fourth quarter. What if, you, what if you go times four? That'd be like throwing for 800 yards on wow. Philadelphia. What, 800 what, yards. What, 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 uh, and you just what said. If, what if? What if? You just said if, 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 if the wax is out my ear and I hear uh, clear, which I think yes, it is. Yes. You just said. Yeah. That Hassan Reddick showed up against Dak Prescott at the right time. One time he did. So what? So time. what's the problem? I give you that. So what's the problem? Okay. He what? showed up when he was supposed to. What? If you go up and down the field what on me. What good team in a tight division game in the fourth quarter at home allows the opposing passer to throw for 173 yards Skip. just in the Skip. fourth you're quarter? A, you're Skip, answer, you you're answering your own question. No. You're you answering your win. own question. The Philadelphia Eagles are that team. Yes. And they beat you still. Yes. You only scored 23 points in the ballgame. How many like times scored 40 did, points. How many times did the Legion of Boom allow somebody to come into Seattle and throw for 173 in the fourth Fourth quarter. I think it didn't happen. But I don't think it ever got happened or not. They still won the game. Yeah. Okay. They still won. They okay. won. They won because my quarterback inexplicably stepped out of bounds. Got to so, stay in so bounds. So now you're going to blame gotta him for the bounds. loss and yeah. give him gotta credit for the bounds. 173? Got to stay in bounds. And my rookie receiver, don't know why we're throwing it to the rookie tight end, but his knee comes down one inch short of the goal so line. So that was a veteran, he his knee when it came down? I don't know. If it had been Dalton Schultz a year ago, maybe he gets it in the end zone. Maybe Y'all didn't want Dalton out. Schultz. Well, Y'all let him walk. Well, well, he was too expensive. Now he's CJ. Can, can we talk about the team that's playing you know the Philadelphia what? Eagles, not yep. the team that lost to him? Well, uh, again, the 49ers, the uh, Keyshawn brought it up, and I closed that No, I, that no I, I did bring it up because you started going down the path no, I didn't even of talking it. about how they did this in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter and how they're this in the fourth quarter, yeah. and they're lucky this They've been in four games. Lucky. They're playing on borrowed time. I'm, I'm going to say it again. When are they going to run out of gas, okay. man? Uh, Sunday. It starts Sunday, and it will be followed up the following Sunday when they lose at Dallas. Okay. And then we'll see if they can pick they're themselves back up after them. that because their schedule does get easier. I thought they were going to lose four of these games, and they very narrowly won at Kansas so, City. So and you're Buffalo. already wrong. Well, I'm not already wrong. I, I think those are the right ways to go in those games because they lucked out both times. See, I wouldn't yeah. call it luck, Skip. Yeah. You're calling it luck. It's not luck. Well, you, it's just fortuitous That's what happens. Bounces. That it's, touchdown it's, pass, that touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts to whatever my bad name is. Zacchaeus. I can't get it right. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. That's not luck. Yeah. That's ability to say, you go over there, I'm going to throw it to you. Touchdown. Okay. It's not luck. My man, Michael Irvin, sat right next to me yesterday. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a receiver. And he said that A.J. Brown did catch that ball and did move with the ball far enough that it was a catch and And a fumble. And and Mike's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he's a three-time Super Bowl champion of the Dallas Cowboys, Mm -hmm. and he wears glasses. Mm -hmm. Okay? Can't see. Because he only made made two steps, as I told Michael yesterday. You can't see, man. You right. kick that. You gotta make a football move. Skip. One call, just one call, and and the game's over. That ends the game. If Josh Allen and Gabe Davis are on the same page, the game is over. It's just over. More okay? if Bayless. That's, that's lucky. More if Bayless. That's, that's lucky. It's just lucky. They've been lucky. I can go back for four games. I, at Washington, they barely survived, and and, and the, then the the game that went to overtime. Ron Rivera doesn't go for two. I just thought he'd just be Riverboat Ron and go for two. And no, it didn't happen. They lost in overtime. Yes, Yeah. All right. So I'm just showing you the trend is you keep edge of cliff, edge of cliff, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. At some point, 
your, your hands are going to slip off the edge of the cliff and you're going to fall. So, Richard. So this is not a yeah. championship team, in your opinion, uh, Skip. No. They're Cowboys not are built, better than the Eagles. They're not, built, they're, not built, they're not built or building championship caliber umph. They don't have that. The quarterback, from behind. Does. The quarterback has it. Oh, only the quarterback has it. Yeah, not Nobody the defense. Else. What not did I tell defense. you before the year started? I told you this defense is torchable. So that it was pick, torchable all last year. So that pick that Bradbury got mm -hmm. with route recognition, understanding they tried to do that earlier in an empty set, mm -hmm. and he completed it to Diggs on the opposite side. This time around, they tried it again by flipping the formation. He recognized it. Mm -hmm. He squeezed enough, stepped up, and picked it. That's not championship? Josh Allen leads the league in turnovers. But that's not what he I leads asked, but the that's not what I asked you. Though, At some point, he's going to throw you one, and you just better be ready to catch it. He's Brett Favre all over again. He didn't throw again. it to Bradbury. Bradbury, goalposts. he went and got it. Mm -hmm. This it's is a, a corner, that, a corner on our show can tell you. Yeah. He went and got it. We're talking about the same corner that Debo called trash and would not back off. We're going to talk about it a little later in the show, but he called him trash after the championship <laughs> game last year and will not back off this week. And so skip, so skip. Again, uh, everything you're saying applies to the Cowboys. They have beat nobody. Ooh, so what haven't. you're saying, what you're saying doesn't doesn't compute. Okay. This 10 so, one team okay, has beat so, three eight win teams, and y'all beat nobody over 500. Okay. But y'all are better than them. Okay. Is New Seattle somebody? Do you think somebody is coming to? Yeah, I think I think see I think Seattle's a good team. I think they Seattle's going to beat y'all. Okay. I'm picking Dallas to beat them, Richard. I think Seattle is good. I just think this they they're in a funk right now. Uh -oh. You're catching them at the right time. Oh, we got excuses. But there's no the excuse. How you is that an excuse? Along. Well, you've been telling me that. Uh, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to change my mind. Okay, well, you are. Are you changing? I'm, I'm saying, if you asked me four weeks ago, well, like you did about Seattle, mm -hmm. I would have said Seattle's going to beat you. Okay. Now that we are closer to the game, because these things do change. Okay. Seattle does not look the same as they did several weeks ago. Okay. So in the Cowboys against the cupcake tomato cans that mm -hmm. they've been playing, yep. look in sync. Mm. So, yes. You are better than Seattle right now. Mm. Doesn't mean that you're going to win. I'm picking you to win, but does not oh, mean. Oh, now you're picking Dallas? Oh, yeah, I'm going to pick Dallas to win. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Richard tried to tell you. He knows Seattle inside now. I, I'm he picking. says Seattle's I'm, better than Dallas. And he may be right. Mm. I'm just telling you what I see with my eyes. Okay. Well, I've told you, I dug in on this. Dallas has now won 13 straight games at home. It will go to 14, and it will go to 15. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Dallas and Philadelphia will be tied at 10-3. And, and then we'll see what happens down the stretch. I, I've been saying it. Won't be the case, Skip. You got to go to you got to go to Buffalo, man. Mm -hmm. You got to yeah. go to Miami. Yes, we do. And Detroit is mad yeah. right now. Okay, here They're comes They're mad Detroit. right now. Bring them on. Please, at home. And before you get through that, you got to go through Seattle yep. and Philadelphia. Yeah, it starts. It starts now. So what What you got us finishing, like missing the playoffs? Or? No, no, I got you. I got you right where you at, fifth seed. Oh, fifth seed. That's, so where, you, that's where you're at. If, if the playoffs start today, it's the Eagles, Niners, Lions. Yeah. I have to laugh at this. The Falcons that's where they always are. and okay. the Cowboys. So, Keyshawn, you have yeah. us losing then to Philadelphia 
at Buffalo, at Miami, that's three, to Detroit at home, that's four. No, I think you I, – I honestly think you might beat Detroit at might home. Might beat Detroit? You but I think you lose – I think you lose in Buffalo. And, six. Yeah. and I think you certainly lose in Miami. Certainly lose in Miami. Yeah, I think you're going to lose three in a row. Okay. I think you're going to lose to Philly, okay. Buffalo, and Miami. Really? That's what I think. Okay. But I could be wrong. You know, we got that on tape. I, I don't give a it. damn. Well, we got it. We just got it, and I love it. All right. and six. We need to talk some NBA because we got to talk about what happened to LeBron last night for better and for worse. John Sally joins me to go deep on LeBron. Spider-Man! Record. Here we go. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. Have I ever been looking forward to this? Brooklyn is in the house. <laughs> We are joined now by a man who won four NBA rings, two with the Pistons, one each with the Bulls and the Lakers. You've seen him in a whole bunch of movies, most notably Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2. You've seen him in a whole bunch of TV shows. Would you believe I even worked with this man occasionally on the old Best Damn Sports Show right here in this very studio? And here we are again, John Sally. Welcome to you. It's yeah. been a while, but That's here we are again, together again. Still doing it. I'm still doing it. Still making everybody yell. I am. <laughs> and speaking of still doing it, last night in Philadelphia, LeBron James set the all-time NBA record for minutes played, regular season and postseason combined. That's 66,319 minutes LeBron has now played with no end in sight. So, John, you, you played 12 NBA seasons, yet about 50,000 fewer minutes than LeBron did. 50,000 fewer than LeBron, but you played 12 seasons. Right. So please attempt to put LeBron's new record in an old school perspective. Well, this is the deal. I, we went down, we were downstairs and we figured out, I think he played 34 more days than I did, if you would have put it together. <laughs> like total 24-hour days. 24-hour oh, days. Okay. All right. But this is what you got to realize. <laughs> like, this kid was designed to play basketball, mm. right? And I'm going to call him a kid because he's still really younger is. than me, yeah. no, even I got though it. He's, a, uh, he's considered an old man in sports. It, it's, it's amazing. This is what he was bred to do, right? This is what he came out. He got his body strong. He's smarter than everybody else. He, he stays. Is. I think he can play maybe as long as Tom Brady. Maybe till he's 45 really? years old. You think? Yeah, because right now it looks like he's stronger than he's ever been. <sighs> okay. Right? He looks better than he did when he was 28. I, I would agree with that. Yet you played for a really old school basketball team in Detroit. Yeah. It was a hard-nosed team. It was a physical basketball team. You took your pounds of flesh. Right. You played against to me the greatest, Michael Jordan, but you had your Jordan rules where you were going to knock him down as he elevated. He was a high contact player. LeBron might be an even higher contact player right. than Jordan was because I keep saying he's the greatest driver of the basketball I've ever seen, but he takes high punishment every night, not getting the calls the way he used to. But given the amount of contact he takes, how shocking is it to you that, that he, he, go, he looks stronger than ever. Well, this is the deal. We compare him to Michael Jordan. I think we should compare him to Magic Johnson. Okay. He's, he's the same height. Yep. He plays point guard. He does. Uh, Michael didn't play point guard. No. Michael never came up and played point guard. Plus, he, the, the, 
he looks to the ref to give him a lot of calls. Very Magic Johnson. <laughs> Screaming when he goes to the basket. Yeah. Yo, ref. So I just feel that back in the day when you got hit, I was allowed to hit you hard and raise my hand and call it a good foul. Okay, harder than now. Yeah, like, like now, if you grab a guy going down court, it's a take foul, it's it a is. breakaway foul. It's, yeah. Let's see what's happening in New York City. Let's see what's happening in Timbuktu. Everything is, is so detailed. Rerun it back. Somebody telling you to do a replay. It's not the same. There's no hand checking, right? There's no guys, uh, God willing, there's no guys who are, uh, have to win or have to play because they got to pay their rent this week. These mm. guys are, are sitting back. And it's him going to the basket, playing harder, more direct, more focused than everybody else. Uh, that's why I think he can play until he's 44. If he had played in your day, he would have been hit much harder, more often. A lot. A lot harder. harder. As in clotheslines, as in submarines. As in knees to the thigh. Okay. As in uh, trying to come through the lane, stand you straight up. You used to be allowed to do that. Yeah. You used to be allowed to say, this is a man's uh, section inside the paint. <laughs> yeah. Don't come inside there. Yeah. Guards came in and they got knocked down by the big man. The ref didn't say anything. He's like, no. should have took a short jumper. Uh, <laughs> it was entirely different mm. than it is now. Downhill now. Plus, what I'm noticing is every team runs the same exact play. There's no different play. Everyone runs high pick and roll. They do. We won two championships in Detroit on a pick and roll. We called it the go play, but we pulled it to the side. Mm. And the rules were a lot different. We changed all the rules. With Isaiah and Lambeer. Isaiah and Lambeer. Yeah. Lamb would shoot. Yeah. Once in a while, I would run it. Isaiah would throw an alley-oop. Uh, it depends on what guy they wanted out of the lane. When I watch now, like last night, I'm watching, uh, and I'm, I'm watching AD fade away. But when he doesn't fade away, when he doesn't get out of the way yeah. of somebody, he plays like Embiid. Embiid will go straight and knock you in the face and mm -hmm. not care. That's... That's the basketball I'm what used you to did. Yeah. T talk about your Jordan rules because Sam Smith ended up writing a book about the rules by which you, you, <laughs> you what, contained Michael? You didn't stop him, obviously, but well, you contained him. Well, we stopped him. We stopped him for like three years. Yeah. Don't well, want to piss anybody off. But, uh, yeah. but the difference was if he comes inside the lane, we, we just pushed him left. Our rules were we pushed him left. It just seemed like we put him on his back because he was doing so much, so many acrobatics in the air. But we let Joe Dumas just put 220 pounds and push him left, and we all came because we knew we wouldn't pass the ball. So that was our rules. When he got the ball, depending on which way he was going, if he went left, let him keep going left. Did you try to hit him harder than you did most opponents when you took your shot? Um, I plead the fifth. Can you, you plead, plead the, the fifth? fifth or yes, you can. You can plead the fifth. <laughs> no, we didn't. We hit everybody hard. That was the way. When I got in the lead, um, Moses Malone hit me. I always talk about Maurice Lucas tried to break my wrist and told me don't ever touch him. So, I mean, mm. I have been around some, some psychos, some real men, as Keyshawn would say, guys who have the baby seat in the back who mm -hmm. have to do this because the kids in private school. Mm -hmm. the, it was an entirely different thought. Mm. It, wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fashion show all the time. It was... It was, we're here to do business, and if you're in the way, you're in the way. Okay, so what is most incredible to me about LeBron's longevity is that, I'm knocking on wood because I don't even like to talk about it, but you realize no knee issues, no surgery, no Achilles, no surgery, no shoulder issues, no surgery. 
He's had bad ankles to the point they're getting a little arthritic from what I'm told, but he, he powers through it. So he's not had what Kobe had last couple of years. His body just failed him. It betrayed him. It broke down to the point Kobe just couldn't tough through it anymore. Right. Right? Right. So how, how blessed has LeBron been to get this far without anything serious at all? Well, the deal is, as I understand, he spends a million dollars a year on his body. Probably more, but right? yeah. Which is like ten thousand dollars to him, mm -hmm. right? On his body. Sure. Maybe, of course, that's what you're supposed to. Maybe five dollars to him. Maybe five dollars yeah. to him. Like you remember when you watched Rocky and they had Dragon, and they after the game they gave him IVs, mm -hmm. they they put him on a machine, mm -hmm. they checked out what is when. LeBron has that. LeBron has now the idea that he's running his body like a Formula One car. Mm -hmm. He's not running his body like a clunker or like a, a, a smash up. He literally understands what it is. He understands what he's eating. He knows when he's eating. He knows what supplements, what nutrients it needs. Um, and that's how you take care of your body. All the smart guys now, too, and they're doing everything in plyometrics. They're understanding how the body works, how the ankles work. Um, just the foundation sometimes gets weak. But I'm not going to say arthritic. I just think he realizes if I keep doing the things that are necessary, and not do the things. Remember, a lot of guys did a lot of things back in the day. First thing, you know, there was a rush to the bar after the game. And if you keep putting all that sugar and alcohol in your body, it's going to break down. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, you've been a big vegan right. enthusiast from the start, right? Yeah, since, 90, since 91, I've been right. on this path of trying to stay alive longer. Most athletes, most professional basketball players don't live to 60. They die of congestive really? heart failure. Yeah, it's, mm. it's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm almost there, and I hope to get past there. Um, so you look great. Thank, I, uh, I, I think agree. you got it going. Skip, I, you're, you you're know the what? LeBron of your, your I, age. I couldn't right? say it better myself. Yeah. Yeah, I saw his grades behind the dye on there his. There was a too. little, I yeah. saw that last I night. I couldn't get my dye in this morning. But uh, <laughs> yeah, when, when you take care of it, this is the only body I have. It's the only life I have. So my mentality was to take care of it, do the best I can with it. I've saw what it's like when guys have to limp, can barely walk. Uh, hard to stand up. I'm not that. So you're saying that history would show us that most NBA players don't make it to 60, yeah. yet you got LeBron making it to 45 playing, playing basketball. Now, this is the trip, too. He's not just playing just out there. Mm -hmm. He's he's literally hooping. He's jumping. He can dunk every time he goes to the basket. Sure he can. Like. Yeah. Um, when I see a guy take off and do a crazy dunk, I go, no, 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 you got to come down. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's what hurts your legs. Um, and just so everybody understands, so I don't get quoted on saying that, just in 2016, 11 NBA players died of congestive heart failure. Oh, wow. Now, it's the food, mm. right? It's the food they put in. It's, it's what they, like I said, what they drink, mm -hmm. the oils they put in their body. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff has to be paid attention. Well, I think LeBron knows all of the above. I think he's been way ahead of that curve, and there's no reason... Physically, that if, if you have the right information that you can't go on as long as your fire is still burning hot. Right. Unless you just get sick and tired of all that goes into it or having to be on the road for 41 games a year. Well, right? you're 58. How does it mm -hmm. feel to be 58? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go run it. Run with it. Let right. me tell you, I know 
I remember Kevin Hart did a great joke when he said, when he called to his friends, now, hey, how you doing? He goes, oh, man. You know, they start talking about all the ailments. <laughs> that happens. You start saying, oh, my ankle is still bad. My elbow is hurting. My back, you know, yeah. my guy, my eye is winking. Mm -hmm. All of those things kick in. So if all of the athletes, which we're going to talk about later, if mm -hmm. they were just to focus, like I look at, I look at Westbrook, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing things because I became a health coach. I'm like, oh, his liver is, his liver is suffering. That's really? where the anger's coming from. Yeah, that's oh. where the dark part of his okay. eye is. You know, so I always had it. I, I see these kind of things, and I go, man, if he were to change his diet, if he were to drink water mm -hmm. this way, if he were to literally have more sodium in his water, more Celtic sea salt in his water. I, I always talk this all the way through. Even my teammates like Rick Mahorn, when I was talking to him, I think it was I, like 11 years ago now, he goes, I didn't know you were into this. Mm. I go, yeah, man. When I started realizing I could live almost forever mm. or as long as I want to live, mm. that's what I chose to do. Okay, so LeBron is living forever as forever. an NBA player. You know, LeBron yeah. is going to, we're going to run in and I watch this show. We're going to run in and talk about the greatest of all time, all the time. This guy is, is probably going to be, because they're going to have nothing else to talk about when he owns every stat. Mm. Once he owns every okay, stat, yeah, everything all, else is going to be emotional. Okay, but they're all longevity stats, right? Just right. because he's playing longer. Right. Because we talk all the time on the show, Jordan versus LeBron, but he has now played, well, he, he will have played um, twice as much, you know, he's going on twice as much as LeBron because he's, he's already a half of, of LeBron's career, I mean, sorry, half of Jordan's career ahead of Jordan on right. total minutes played. That's right? what makes you great. Yeah. Right? So if he, plays, if he plays as long as you say, he's going to double Jordan in minutes played. And, 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 and I think Michael, if Michael would have had the, the tutelage and the trainers, he had great trainers. Hey, great Tim Grover is the best. Yeah, I, I yeah. love Tim. And by the way, he went to get Tim Grover mm -hmm. after the first time you guys literally knocked him out of the postseason. Yeah, like literally knocked him out. When, when right? I was when I was on the Bulls, man, he would just Grover would you, just look at me funny. And I knew he? what he meant. Yeah. Really? He Interesting. Was like, yeah, he would just look at me funny. I was like, hey, man, what had I just did what I had to do. Well, you did do what you did. <laughs> Maybe that's why you became a bull. Maybe that's why he blessed you to be a bull. Yeah, love uh, Jerry Cross for that. And, uh, yeah, I love being a bull. I tell you, it was like being with the Beatles, Elvis, uh, Michael Jackson. That, it, it was all of that. Because of that guy. That guy. The original 23. Okay, yes. so we go back and forth. I'm a big Jordan guy. Keyshawn Richard are big LeBron guys. You say you, you want to compare him more to Magic than yes. Michael. But if you do compare him to Michael, which way are you going? Who would you rather have on your team? Michael Jordan. Thank you. Because? <clears throat> I, I compared it this way. There's fab, there's fab uh, winter breeze, and there's fab summer breeze. <laughs> okay. But there was first it was fab soap detergent. That's yeah. Michael. Right. So in order for them to be and do what they're doing now, somebody had to trail the blaze. Mm. Uh, blaze, blaze the trail. The trail I you understand? It. Yeah. Um, and I think Michael did that. Michael, remember, there was no basketball players doing commercials like this. Mm -hmm. There was no basketball players doing movies. Well, Kareem. But... Michael and David Falk and that whole thing, they literally transcend just from being on the court mm. to being everything. Mm. And without Michael, without the original, 
none of the top okay but just going up against him competitor to competitor what was it like to compete against that force of nature you don't sleep well no and i i used to have to worry more about larry bird and magic because you know i had to i had to guard him but when you play against mj and now so many tv shows i would say well he's not the greatest of all time he's only greatest in the 90s that's because i know how to do television right but in reality, mm. none of us slept well when we played against Michael, mm. right? We wind up having an unbelievable con concentration. And that's another thing I see a lot of guys. They don't have concentration mm. that can stay the entirety of the game. Mm. Um, LeBron has it. LeBron has that. Um, Westbrook has that sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but just staying in the games. Focused, but I would if I had to pick one, I would pick MJ because if I was on the same team, I would want to be on the court. There you go. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> well said. All right, John will rejoin us to talk about LeBron's game last night, the worst loss of his career, in just a few minutes. But up next, we need to get back to Shaq Lawson, who apologizes but gives a deeper explanation of why he went after that Eagles fan last Sunday in Philly. That's next. The Bill Shaq Lawson said he made a mistake shoving an Eagles fan in the front row behind the Bills bench Sunday in Philly. This is what Lawson posted, and I quote, Before the game started yesterday, there was a fan behind our bench who was making life-threatening remarks towards us and our families. We asked Philadelphia security to remove the fan, but he was allowed to stay for the entire game. Eventually, our emotions boiled over, and I made a mistake. For that, I apologize, but there are certain lines that should not be crossed, said Shaq Lawson. Keyshawn, what's your reaction to Shaq Lawson's explanation? I, I, I accept his explanation. I wasn't there. I didn't hear the audio. I wasn't there at the beginning of the game, nor the end of the game, not at the moment that Shaq Lawson decided to walk over and, you know, shove the, the fan. But as I said yesterday, Skip, as long as you don't throw anything at me or call me the N-word, yeah, I don't have no issues with you. You can talk all day long. You're not you're in the crowd talking. Right. But what happens in these situations, we just saw it again last night in basketball mm -hmm. with Russell Westbrook. Yep. The fans, they have an obligation to cheer their teams on. There's no question about it. That's what they pay. They're passionate. They pay for that. We wouldn't be in the positions making the type of money that we made playing professional sports if it wasn't from the support of the fans. I get all of that. But it crosses a line at some point. If, in fact, I have no reason to believe that he would lie about somebody saying something negative about his family, you don't need to do that. This is the same issue, and we'll talk about that as well, what went on last night in an NBA game, is that you just, as a fan, you don't have the right to do those things just because you buy a ticket to get into a game. And I think they, 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 they misunderstand what it is to be a fan and cheer for your team sometimes. I just think it is. And, and look, in the end, he was wrong. He admitted he was wrong. He apologized to a degree for that. And I'm sure some sort of fine or something will come down from Park Avenue and the NFL and Troy Vincent and company, and, it, and we won't talk about it anymore. 
Right, right. Um, I mean, some fans just do that, Key, as you know. Some fans feel they feel empowered. They feel enabled. You know, sometimes it's the liquor that gets to them. They're too inebriated. <clears throat> Instead of just cheering for their team, they got to, they gotta, you know, belittle the other team or they got to say things that, you know, I mean, it's happened for the history of time in sports. As a player, you just got to get past it. You got to keep moving forward because the more you respond to it, the more you react to it, the more of it you're going to get in the future. The more times people are going to feel like, hey, they can get under your skin. We can get under their skin and affect the game, which helps our team. So they feel like, hey, if we talk the most crap to this guy, then we'll get him out of his game and we'll help our team win. That's a lot of times their thought process. And so... You know, I, you know, maybe the, the fans definitely wrong. You can't threaten people's families and do all that, but you also can't let it get to you. Mm-hmm. You've been playing this game too long. You've been around this game too long to let stuff like that get to you. They're not going to touch your family. They'll never see your family no. ever in their lives. You know that. I know that. And so you got to, you got to, you got to stay stick to the game and don't let people like that affect you. Because the more you react, the more they're going to give. The more they go next week, you're going to have to deal with it, and next week after that. Yeah, you want to go, Key? No, I, okay. I, I'm just agreeing with agreeing yeah, okay. with Richard, but I'm yeah. bobbing my head because he's saying he's saying everything that's right. You yeah. can't let it get to you. You know, there's two things, man. No, just don't, don't talk about my family. Leave them. They ain't got nothing to do with this. Yeah. You know, and and yes, you don't know the world we live in is pretty wild and, and crazy, as you mm. know, Skip. Right? When people start going down that road, it's one thing that I know about professional athletes. They're not going to lie about being called a certain thing, and they're not going to lie on their family. Yeah. It's just not, you just, it's not in your DNA to do that. So okay. it's so, over with now, I think, and, and he'll get fined, and right. we'll move on. So what do we know about Philly fans historically, notoriously, among the worst, if not the worst? It was so bad in the day that I covered the Cowboys back in the 90s, 80s, they, they had groups of fans that they took on the road. They actually had an agency that did this within the Cowboy organization under Jerry Jones. And so they would take groups of fans to games along with the team. And there was only one stadium where they were apprised or warned, you do not wear your Cowboy garb to this stadium. And it was the old vet in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. you, you just don't do it. You, yeah. It's just too dangerous. They had a jail inside the stadium. Hey. <laughs> Okay. A precinct. Yeah, they did add a precinct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that brings us to to this incident. So just to be clear, I'm pretty sure that members of Shaq's family weren't actually sitting in the stands and were being threatened by the the Eagle fans because I don't think they were there. Just to be clear about, is that fair? I I don't think they were there. I I, I don't know, but yeah, let's. Yeah, let's okay, assume I, I'm going to fair. assume they yeah. weren't in that front row area because they probably wouldn't have those seats anyway, even if they did travel to the away game. But the point is that I'm a little disturbed that if the Bills began to complain before the game to stadium security in Philadelphia at the link, they complained about that guy is yelling things that are out of bounds about our families. I'm disturbed that 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 guy wasn't escorted out of the stadium maybe before the game started because that's what Shaq said, right? Yeah. Didn't we conclude yesterday? If you have an egregious over-the-line problem with a fan, the best thing to do is just go to security and say that guy, right? Yeah, you can go to team security and tell team security or go to stadium security and then they can go from there. Okay, but he's saying we tried and we failed. 
So I don't know how the security decided no big deal, right? Somehow the security had to decide, eh, it's not that big a deal. He can yell whatever he wants. Okay, now we get back to the bottom line of this. In the end, no matter what he yells, threatening your family, disparaging your family, you, you still can't go up into the stands or go to the stands to confront and shove him because there's no good that can come of that. Is that fair? No, it's, that, fair. it's, yeah. it's very right. fair. Yeah. It's very fair. Okay. You could you could scream and holler back at him you or can. whatever, sure. but, but touching him, I, I wouldn't put my hands on him in that situation. Right. I would probably go get the security, uh, figure out where team security is and deal yeah. with it from that. Only time I'm going to put my hands on you is when you do the two things I said you shouldn't I know. do. I know. It's the only time. Right, okay. right. I mean, if, 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 if his family's up there and they put, put, his, put their hands on oh, his family, yeah. that's, well, then that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Okay, now I'm, yeah, this, all bets are off. Yeah. I'm hey, in the wait, stands okay. and we, hey, we're shaking and moving. I, I've witnessed that up close in person with my own family before, Skip. Where? In Washington, <laughs> watching my rookie year. I'm, my family's about 10 rows behind my bench. And I score a touchdown... But they, you know, wave it off and say, no, it's not a touchdown. The ball slipped out, da-da-da. And I go back to the sideline. I'm on the bench. We're going over stuff. Everybody started looking into the stands. I look up there. My brothers, my sisters, they up there. They throwing haymakers. I was like, oh. They're throwing haymakers? Yeah, it was, it was ugly. It, yeah. yeah. <sighs> but, you know, that's just, that's, I mean, what can I say? That's, okay, at least it was your brothers. Yeah, I mean, it was my brothers and my sisters. Yeah, okay. They don't play. Okay. They had the wow. stands actually getting it up. They was getting and, it in. And did you, want, in. did you want to join them? Or no, no, I just watched. I mean, as much as I could. I was just trying to watch it all go down. I could. I was 10 rows up. Okay, and what was the upshot of it? How did it all turn out? I think they threw the other guys out. Yeah, they did. They removed the other guys, but my family was able to stay. Okay. You know? Well, I, but you don't want to see it come to that. And, no, you don't. You and, don't. And then, as we spoke with Michael Irvin yesterday, we live in a litigious society here yes. where you've got all kinds of legal ramifications. If you cross that imaginary line and go up into the stands, see Malice in the Palace back yeah. in the day with the NBA... Now all bets are on because you are probably going to get sued. No, I understand. And, and it's no fun because it can drag on. As Michael Irvin detailed yesterday, it can go on and on and on until finally you just say, okay, that's enough. See, because- I hear people all the time talk about the malice situation. And from my recollection, somebody threw something. The cup. And that, and, and that, cup. Create, mm-hmm. that That's what I'm saying, yeah. though, Skip. Mm-hmm. Don't. Throw anything. You can talk all the noise you want. You can scream. Don't call me out my name. Don't call me the N word. Right. I, I don't touch me. And we ain't got no problem. You right. can go back and forth and talk trash all day long. But when you start using objects, yep, and, and doing those sort of things. When I was in Buffalo and getting uh, frozen batteries, big ones, the D's thrown at us, th- th- that's a problem. Uh, that's a big. Problem. That, that's a problem, yep. man. I'm just telling you. I understand. I understand the consequences, and you got to gauge which one you want to deal with. Do you want to deal with the court situation and being sued, or do you want to be hit in the head with a frozen battery? Like, come on, Skip. I mean, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Those are my great options. Yeah, it, it, my great options. Not great uh, options, we, but we you got to do something. We're talking about helmet on or helmet well, off? I, I, fortunately <laughs> enough for me, I had my helmet on standing next to Brian Cox, and, and they hated Brian Cox from his days with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And I was standing next to him, talking to him about the game. And then all of a sudden, 
something hit me in the head two or three times. And, you know, everybody started putting their helmets on and we realized these dudes throwing frozen batteries at us. Yep. Okay, so there's an old kid saying that I know both of you are very familiar with about sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Yeah. Well, about 99.9% of the time, I'll go with that. Yeah. But there are certain words, yes. as you spoke of yesterday, yes. there are certain lines that a fan can't cross. Yes, that's correct. To, to the point where you might cross that line and go up I after mean, him, right? I mean, nobody can cross, Skip. Right. I mean, not even just fans. I mean, if somebody's right. sitting on the field. I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's furniture moving. Uh, and so I, I think we got to get back to a place in society where, where it can be cordial, where it can be cheer for your team, boo the other team, that's fine. But you don't have to do all the extras. You don't have to sit there threatening people's families, go really off the rails with it. Um, you know, I mean, I've heard terrible things in the stands. You know, they're going to kill your parents or they're going to do this yeah. and they're going to do this. What? And I mean, it is what it is. We go out there and mud stump their team and we walk away from the stadium. You know what I mean? It is what it is. You can't. What am I going to do about that? Their security obviously heard them say it. So they clearly ain't going to kick them out for saying it. They're sitting there listening no. to them. And so I can't expect them, you know, regardless of what I say and what I do, they're not going to kick them out. And we talked about the Westbrook, Westbrook situation. I just don't ever want to let it get to the point where it gets me out of my game and fans feel like they can affect my play on the field. Because once that happens, I mean. You, you know, I've never, over. I played 11 years in the National Football League <laughs> and I played at a very high level and I had a lot of opponents, fans dislike me unless I was playing for that particular team. But I've never had anybody attack my family personally, and I've never been called by a fan the N-word inside of a stadium. Inside of a stadium. Yeah. So I wouldn't know how to react to a situation the way Shaq Lawson reacted to that situation as his family was not necessarily being threatened, but talking in negative yeah. situation with his family. I don't, I don't know that feeling inside of a stadium. Because fans can boo me. They can talk, I'm a bum, I was a wasted... Whatever you want to say. I know what I was as a player, and I know what I, at the time, what I was doing as a player. So I never allowed that part of the fan base to get to me to the point where I got to go in the stands and do something to them. Mm. It just, you know... Right. And, and So when I see that reaction from him and now his explanation, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe it was a little more serious than what we thought as far as he could see. You know, and, and I think the backlash from everybody in the end has him saying and realizing, yeah, I probably messed that up. Mm. Right. So, so definitely mess it up. You can't touch nobody. Is it ever to the point where you can concentrate so hard on playing the game of football that you just don't hear anything? Can you, to, you know, totally tune it out? Can you do? Well, I looked yeah. for it. Okay. To be so, honest with you. Well, it sounds you know like I mean? you thrived on yeah, it. Yeah, I looked for it. Hey, yeah. if, if, if you, oh, Richard, you know, if they were talking to me, I'm touching I'm going back to find. What does that do that? Right. You. You. I didn't done it many a times. Yeah. I mean, you, you catch you catch you a pick. You go back. Like I, I thought I thought y'all. Oh, y'all going home now? Oh, y'all y'all don't want to stay? Y'all leaving early? It's the third quarter. Y'all got places to go? I thought y'all came to watch the game. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I, I was just notorious to, to be able to talk back to him and, and just, you know, because mm. it was fun. When it crosses the line, we start to getting to what Shaq was dealing with. Yeah. Now we're in a different, we're in a different space. Okay. We really are. All right. So right. my last little two cents I'll add about this. Back in the day when I was at ESPN, we used to do 
a lot of stand-ups before games in the arena before big NBA Finals games. And Lord have mercy, when I left up through the crowd, the things I would hear about me and my wife, and but I would try to just completely tune it. I would hear it because you can't not hear it. You, right. you know, they talk about having rabbit ears where you hear everything. Well, you you're, you just I can't totally not hear, hear everything. You just hear it. But I, I would just try to keep my head down and just go because I couldn't figure out any good outcome of stopping and engaging. So oh, that would just make I wish work. I could. Hey, Richard, yeah. I wish we could go on for 20 minutes and tell stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, some of the stuff you heard. <laughs> some of the stuff that some of the stuff you hear. Oh, man. I got it. Okay, let's get back. As I spoke of basketball, let's talk LeBron suffering the worst loss of his career. And then I watched this live after the game on the local channel here in L.A. He gave maybe the shortest answers ever to the media. What did that mean? No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. LeBron was in no mood to deal with reporters' questions following a 44-point loss in Philadelphia last night. Lakers' worst ever to the Sixers and the worst loss of LeBron's entire career. I'm not sure I've ever seen him give shorter, more terse, tense answers in a post-game interview. Here is some of the very little he had to say. What needs to change in order for that not to happen again? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. Is there anything in particular? Not a lot. You said to Dan's question, you said a lot needs to change. Is there anything specific you feel like needs to change? You said a lot. He said, what in particular? I said a lot. John Sally's still with us. So, John, LeBron said a lot needs to change with this team. What do you make of that answer? I think he's telling his teammates a lot's going to change. So the way things were going, it's smooth. You hang around. You're, you're cool to be a Laker. You, everybody now has to start worrying about their minutes and their job and maybe finding a new school for their kids. Because if not, if they don't change their mentality, I watched that game yesterday and I was like, wow, I'm watching a Laker game and it's the fifth worst loss ever and his worst loss ever. It shouldn't happen. I watched it like they were just out there. It was like, all right, we won in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. We did our job for LeBron. We can relax here. And that was definitely the wrong thing. Mm. No, you're right, uh, Spider-Man. You look at the situation with LeBron and you say to yourself, okay, He's not as when he's watching it, he's getting frustrated right. because not only is he a player, he's also a mentor and a coach on the floor. And they're not responding to him the way that he would have envisioned at the start of the season. It's like a roller coaster ride up and down, up and down, up and down. Now you go up against a gauntlet in Philadelphia, a team Now you you're pretty much fully healthy. Mm-hmm. You, you pretty much got everybody available to go for you. So it's not like you or uh, under man in this situation and you get run out of a building, you're now you gauging yourself, Skip, against a real team, yeah. unlike the Dallas Cowboys in football. You're actually <laughs> I knew gauging, you were gonna go there as soon you're actually you are gauging yourself yeah. against you a team. Take your shot. Now you're getting run out of the building. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you're right, uh, John, about new school, new address, because we, or we hear the names that's out there possible Trades, we hear who could possibly be coming, who possibly could be going. And if they don't turn things around sooner rather than later, and they keep getting this sort of 
output by many of the top players that are in the starting eight, so to speak. Lack of output. Uh, uh, lack of output, then you're going to see some changes being made. There's no question about it. You're going to see, you're going to see this. I watched uh, yesterday Pat Beverly, who's one of my favorite players, on the other team play as if it was a playoff game and the last game he was ever playing. Now, if you got guys who play like that, no matter what the jersey they're wearing, that's who you want in your squad. So getting rid of Pat was, I think, a detriment to AR-15, mm. right? Because now he has to do everything. He has to bring the ball up. When they had a dog in Pat Beverly, and this dog would yell at other players, get other players going like, um, like Chris Paul would do. Those kind of things need to happen. And LeBron, they walk in, they go, well, LeBron's the greatest. Is going to, he, he'll put it on his shoulders and carry us the whole way. Mm. He's tired of that. And by the way, last night, Pat Bev was barking all up into AR-15's tree, right? He was just all over. He knew everything. You know? he, he knew, knew what everything. he was going to do. Yeah. Okay, this is what surprised me about LeBron's postgame because it was harsh and, and it was hard on the rest of his teammates. But remember... If he had offered this as an excuse, as in we just got to get healthy, I, I would have certainly given him a pass because they're playing last night without Cam Reddish, who's been very good for them, without Hachimura, who's been very good both last year and this year, without Jared Vanderbilt, who was really good on defense last year and still hasn't played a single minute this year, and without Gabe Vincent, who's a gutty little playmaker shooter, and they miss him in the rotation because he would have been a big part of this. So... Isn't it fair to say maybe it was just one of those nights where the Sixers just couldn't miss from three because they made 22 of 46 threes, right? Yeah. But do, let me tell you, this is what everybody needs to realize. Every guy in the NBA is supposed to be there. So there's not a bum in the NBA. That doesn't happen. So those guys who don't, who are getting their chance yeah. to perform, that was last night was the night. Last night was the night to show your coach to show your star player, to show everybody in Laker Nation, I'm here to do this job, and I should be in this position. When somebody goes down, you step up. I'm going to talk about Tom Brady because you love Tom Brady like I do. When, uh, what's his name when he got hurt? Uh, Blitzo. Uh, Drew. Blitzo. Blitzo, yeah. When Blitzo got hurt, yeah, that was Tom it. stepped up. It was he didn't just say, I'm yeah. just here until he comes back. Okay. That's not what happened. And if you don't, when you get shots like you did, they did last night, you better step up and play as hard as you possibly can. I, I didn't play. see any Tom Brady stepping up last night. No, you didn't see anybody Lakers. stepping up. They wanted, yeah. they, wanted to, they wanted the clock to move faster. Okay. They wanted to. And, <laughs> and yet, on the floor were LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yes. And I know, Keyshawn, you've had your issues, as has Lil Wayne and everybody else on the show, with AD. I, I thought just, he played I just, okay I just last night. play like AD. That's yeah. all. Okay. And not like AD in street clothes, but like. AD that we traded for out of New Orleans. I'm going to play like that. Okay. Mm. So the previous two years in his visit to Embiid in Philadelphia, AD was sensational. Yeah. And he took it to him. He had 31 and 12 both those years. And last night he was okay. The game got so out of hand so fast. But my issue was more on the defensive end because they, they did not care on defense. I don't care what you say. They just didn't care. And, and it went from bad to worst like that. As soon as Philly started making shots, it looked like the Lakers just said, no moss, we give up. And they should have attacked the basket. So when, when guys are hitting three-pointers like that, there's, you know, I'm not going to talk dirty like you get them out of the game. 
you drive on those guys and you get them to foul you. Once okay. they get into foul trouble, they're sitting on the bench. They're going to get cold. You should just keep going at the basket. When I watched Embiid yesterday, when he saw AD, oh. he ran straight up his chest. And he was like, I'm, 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 you're either going to foul me or I'm going to score. That's the difference. When AD tried to get around. Three quarters. Yeah. Three quarters. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He should have been MVP. John, what, right. come on, man. Let me ask you this because you're here with me now. You was a big in the league for a long time. And you yeah. played with greats and won championships and all this. What is it with Anthony Davis? Be honest with me, though. What is it? What's does, missing? Well, he doesn't do the same. After he got injured, you know, that kind of slowed him down. When? What injury? <laughs> Which one? Which one? Well, that's what I mean. Once your body starts breaking down, Key, you get to a point where you start moving very gingerly. And I, I, I watched him. Uh, I watched him in Cleveland. I watched him go to the basket, and I said, what is he doing at the top of the key? But I realized the NBA is set up that way now. But when he puts his back to the basket and he goes into his progression of his moves, he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's t- he just needs... Somebody, he just needs to be mad. And once, he's, once he gets mad, he might play that way. I think that's the difference. Okay, how do you make him mad? Uh, you got you to gotta ask him because it doesn't seem like anything, anything gets him to the point where he wants to, he's on fire. And when you, when you get to that point sometime, uh, I can't take it anymore, everybody needs to watch out because he has all the skills all the way from Kentucky. Is he replaceable? Yes, definitely. And this is the deal. He can't be traded until February 8th. Yeah. So I don't think anybody would trade for him. That's the other difference, right? Because of the money. The money, commitment. the problems. Yeah. He comes in, he may not want to play. Um, but I don't, and I'm not saying he needs to be traded. That's you guys. I'm saying. No, I'm not saying he needs to be traded. I'm I, just I, asking I, if he is replaceable. Well, everybody's replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. Yeah. Everybody's replaceable. Not that dude with 23, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's replaceable, but the one thing that, that LeBron's going to let him know is mm-hmm. all of you guys are replaceable except me. Okay, but here's the problem with AD. And, Keyshawn, I did not text with you on Saturday. Was it Saturday evening? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, but at Cleveland, th- those two big guys are really good for yeah. the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. Mobley and um, Jared Allen. And AD dominated them. He he was a force in that game on that floor. Mobley's still a puppy. Okay, all yeah. right, but but they're they're long and and they're they, they got strength to them. They they play strong inside. And AD just said, "I I got this," because LeBron had a bad shooting night, first one in a long time. He went one of nine from three, and they oh, won okay. in spite of. Yeah. Because of AD. He was the rock that night. So the problem is, I call him AD always disappearing. Well, he disappeared last night slowly but surely. But every once in a while at Cleveland, you're going to get that guy. Are you willing to give that guy up? Uh, I'm not yet. But I think when you, when you look at it, like we talked about the depth. Yeah, yeah the, the, their lack of depth because guys are, didn't play and they're injured or whatever the case is. But when I got D'Angelo Russell, and I got LeBron James, and I got AD, and I got Austin Reeves. For most of the game, yeah. that's a four starters, know, even though I, Reeves I is coming it. off the yeah. bench. No. They shouldn't get run out the building. And if, and, and if there's a struggling point, I need the second wing, the, the Robin to the Batman, mm-hmm. to all of a sudden become a Batman. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I just need you to. I need to. I need you, although he played okay AD last night, I need yeah. – you to figure out how to dig deep and become Cleveland. 
Yeah. Well, you know. Okay? Mm-hmm. Become that guy that was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they were in Philly Sunday night. You know, Philly's a good town to be in Sunday <laughs> night. And, uh, uh, you know, Especially clubs are really good on Sunday winning. night. Yeah, and you, you came off this thing thinking you did your job in Cleveland, and you didn't. They really, really, really Okay, so sum it up, John Sally. Yes, I think Can that, this team, could, could you see this team getting healthy and winning it all? No. No? No, I do see this team maybe getting close to do, uh, doing what they did last year, but they need dogs. They need Patrick Beverly back. They mm. need guys who would just go out there and play their heart out no matter who they're playing against. Mm. You cannot take nights off in the NBA. There are no nights to take off, especially if your job is at stake. Okay, I do think Austin Reeves has some dog in him, but do you you think he has enough ability to live up? Yes. One of my favorite players is AR. Mm. AR-15 is definitely, you know, it's it's a shame when you get a new contract and everybody base your ability on your money when you're a human. But Mm. if he gets somebody like like he had last year with Patrick, when, when he had Pat Beverly, pushing and talking, I mean, when he was in his ear. You need those kind of vets. <laughs> All right, up next, back to the NFL, Bill Belichick. He says he's enjoying coaching as much as ever. I can't wait to hear Key on this one. Leave Bill alone, man. Leave him alone. Now it's your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go. First tweet from True Story. It's official. LeBron is the GOAT of getting run out of the gym with that 44-point L. I know that guy. That's from The Last Dance. Love that. Next up, Hank says... Of course you love this Yeah. You can't avenge a playoff loss with a regular season win. Speaking of 49ers and Eagles... Oh, I know that guy, too. That's from early first take days. Go to be young again, right? And finally, this is Eric, who says, shout out to Sherm for being a trooper today. Richard Sherman has that dog in him, and he is fighting back, (laughs) fighting through it. Way to go, Richard. I appreciate it. All right. Let's talk Bill Belichick. He now says he's enjoying coaching as much as ever, even though, of course, the Patriots are 2-9. and nine. So, Keyshawn, should that guarantee Belichick will be coaching the Patriots next season? No, nothing is a guarantee, but I can for sure you he'll be coaching the Patriots next year. It's not a guarantee, but I can for sure you that. And the reason I say this is because he earned the right to do so. Okay, this is not a new owner coming into a situation. This is not... Jerry Jones and Tom Landry. This is, this is not that situation where all of a sudden there's a new owner and says, I don't want we need to clean all of this up. There's a foundation that has been set there. And Mr. Kraft and, and, and Jonathan Kraft, his son, they know that. They understand that. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, yes, there is no Tom Brady. They've lost uh, several games this year by Dozens and dozens on top of dozens and dozens of points. Their quarterback play is lackluster. There's no question about it. It's been that way basically since Tom left. They understand that. But Belichick hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Well, what, is that maybe the problem? No, that's not the problem because he can still coach football. The problem is he doesn't have players. And until you get players, okay, because if you took Bill Belichick and you got rid of Bill Belichick, 
You don't think that other owners would be lined up on the jetway, uh, uh, on a tarmac, trying to get him to get on their planes and have a conversation? Absolutely, 100%, because he can still coach. This is what he's saying. He's saying he's enjoying it. Nothing's changed for him. Mm. Now, going out and getting some players is going to be key. Right now, they're sitting in a third position in the draft if it was to be today. Do I think that they'll still be sitting at the number three spot come draft time? No. I think what Bill will do is he'll trade out of that spot and, and him and his new personnel guy or whatever the case may be will try to figure out how to utilize that top pick to build that roster. Mm. And that's the smart way to do things because I don't think that a young quarterback would come in and all of a sudden change life for Bill Belichick. I just don't see it. Mm. Well, wait a second. Then, is then he the personnel the director, right? Well, that, yeah. Look, Skip, we all know he was the personnel director. Mm-hmm. We all know that it has not. they have not hit for many years, many years. on some of their picks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. we know that. That's not, a, that's not hidden. But over the course of time in New England, Richard, what he has done, or what has happened to him, is he's lost a lot of people from a personnel standpoint that was helping him along the way. And he took a lot of it on himself toward the end of the Tom Brady tenure. Mm. And that's where things went south. Okay, go, right, Richard. But if, if you got nobody to blame but yourself in that situation, it sounds like. And, and I think, to your point, you said it before, Key, that maybe it's time for him to give up all of that. Like, maybe yes. you're not involved in personnel at all. And they bring somebody else. They bring a whole team of people. That's what they do. They make these decisions. They get you the talent. They make the free agency decisions. And you coach the talent they give you. It'd be different than any other time in his tenure, I think. But I think that's the right decision. I mean, at this point, the the history has spoken for itself. I mean, his draft picks picks in terms of the receivers he's passed on, the receivers he's picked, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it it speaks for itself. But but saying that you continue with Mac Jones – at quarterback, I mean, I don't no, know. I don't, I don't think, don't I don't think they're going to continue either. with Mac Jones. I just don't think that he's going to value the quarterbacks in this year's draft sitting at three when there's so much other stuff that they need. That's all I'm then saying. what do you do at quarterback? Maybe there's a free agent out there. Maybe there's a trade out there that comes to bear for him. Maybe, maybe there's a Kirk Cousins in his sight. I don't know, but I don't think – that he would go rookie quarterback again. I just don't. I just don't see that happening. Okay, Keyshawn and I have gone back and forth and back and forth about this, but I have been steadfast in my opinion since this show started, September sixth of twenty sixteen. What happened in New England was seventy five percent Tom Brady. I believe as the leader, the playmaker, the driving force of that team. First six Super Bowls they won together. Tom won them with game-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime. He was the leader of the locker room. He kept that locker room in check when that locker room wanted to revolt against old-school Bill Belichick and all of his verbal abuse. And if I just look at the record of Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, it is now 62-81. and 81. That includes his time in Cleveland, obviously. He was there for one, two, three, four, four years in Cleveland. 62 and 81 is 19 games under 500. 
I just think, as I said before all this started, as soon as Tom Brady walked out the door, I said Bill will get exposed. And I believe he's getting exposed in New England because it's getting worse and worse because he is buying the groceries, as your coach Parcells once said. Belichick obviously was a great defensive coordinator for Parcells. And I believe that Bill has always been one of the best defensive minds in the history of football. But that doesn't make him a great CEO, a great commanding officer, a great slash GM personnel director. So he's buying all the groceries. And at some point, Robert Kraft is going to have to make a really tough decision, I believe. And he's going to have to move into a new era without Bill Belichick. I believe it should be after this year. And I think that quote yesterday from Bill was throwing down the gauntlet to Mr. Kraft saying, I'm having as much fun as I've ever had, and I want to go on and on and on. And at some point, either Robert or his son, Jonathan, they're, they're going to say, you know what? Enough is enough. And I, I, I'm with you, Keyshawn. They might line up for Bill Belichick. But maybe at this point, this stage, this age in his career, maybe he needs a change of scenery like Tom needed it. Tom goes right. to Tampa, right. and first year he wins the Super Bowl. Everything was new and different. And he had a great run in Tampa. Maybe Bill could have a revived great run elsewhere, or in Arizona or somewhere. I don't know. Wherever it no, might be. Arizona. just hired the coach. Why do you want to send him to Arizona? I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, you just start over. But, but what I'll say is you don't want to be a turnstile organization either. You don't want to be the, the Carolina Panthers. You don't want to no. be an organization that's head coach after head coach. And you, your, your cupboard is bare. So there's going to be another bad season, I would guess, following this one. So yeah. if you bring a new coach in there and he has a bad season in New England, you're sitting there, you're going to fire him? You're going to fire him right away because they're going to have no patience. They don't have no patience for Bill Belichick. So if you don't got patience for Bill Belichick, yeah. you're not going to have patience for the next coach to come in. So then you're going to be firing coach after coach, blaming coach after coach. If this coach can't do it, then I think, I mean, I think you let him at least get you back to some kind of stability. You know, you don't want to go a two-win, two-win, three-win season and put another coach in this situation that's, I mean, they're not putting in a situation to succeed. They're putting in a situation where they don't have enough talent to go in there and, and, and make a difference in the AFC East. So they're going to have another bad season. You're going to be talking about firing them. You don't want to get into that, that scenario. If, if I had to forecast the future, of the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and the Kraft family, this is how I see it, Skip. Bill Belichick's not going anywhere. Is there going to be some changes potentially to the front office in terms of getting him the necessary eyes so he can do his job coaching and do a better job of teaching some of the younger players that potentially could come in there? Yes. That's what I believe. You sure Bill you, would accept you, that? Absolutely. Boy, absolutely. he's he had iron-fisted he, control he of that had, franchise? He's always had iron-fist control. He will still have iron-fist control. Everything, all, what do they say, all the, all the buck stop here, or whatever they, that is saying is, yeah. everything will stop with him. Doesn't mean that Bill will just let somebody come in and you take it and coach it and beat. No, no, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is, much like all Thomas Dimitrov, uh, uh, Scott Pioli, mm -hmm. all of those guys did is they helped facilitate the players for him to make a decision on. Okay, but Bill had final say. As but Bill had final say. say. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and you look 
at, let's call it short history, and you look at those guys that were there with him in the front office and the personnel, they were drafting Richard Seymour's of the world, okay? They drafted those guys. They found Asante Samuel. They made decisions on Julian Edelman whether or not he was going to be the guy. Do we like him? Let's move from quarterback to receiver. They did all those things. They found Gronkowski. It wasn't all Bill. I don't know. Bill did a lot of flying no, to no, a lot of workouts. But all coaches fly yeah. to workouts. Okay. But the scouts and the personnel people yeah. are the ones that is basically uh, 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 compiling the information so you could decipher a difference between this tight end, this tight end, this tight end, this tight end. Mm -hmm. And they give it to you. Now you look at it, but it's in short order for you. I think that is where Bill missed. He missed on those sort of things. Now he's been able to go out there and fly around and look at a guy that no one thought of and say, well, I like him, mm -hmm. opposed to those other eyeballs. Once he gets those other eyeballs back, Tom Brady just spoke on this the other day. He just spoke on it. How people are talking about Bill needs to move on. That's not true. He just needs some help. He needs some more eyeballs. That's all. Okay. So before that draft, the Mac Jones draft, I sat right in this chair and I was on record, not the answer. And Bill went up and got him. He's just not the answer. But Bill thought he was the answer. Well, you got well, two people. Think into. about it. You got two people that you're close to. Yeah. That's at the University of Alabama. On top of multiple Alabama players that you selected in the past. Yeah. You got Bill O'Brien. Mm -hmm. And you got one of your good friends and Nick Saban. Yep. What you think they're going to say, ah, Mac can't play. Even though you might see something, who you think he's going to listen to, Skip Bayless okay, or, you, you or gotta, Nick Saban? You got to rise above. You, you got to see it yourself. Sometimes right. it doesn't work like that, though. Yeah. This is a, a relationship business, too, now. All right, Richard, last word. Will he be back next year? Yeah, yeah, he'll be back. Okay. He'll be back. He has to be back. And is that the, that's the right move? Yeah, that's the right move because otherwise you're setting somebody up to fail. You're setting up the next coach to fail in New England and be booed out of the stadium in their first year. You don't want to do that either. Okay. Poor Patriot fans. They had a lot of glory. They're about to face a lot more. Bill misery. going to the Cowboys. Are, never mind. No, he's not. Well, These are the dark days. We got a play caller. Oh, now, now y'all got a coach and a play caller. You see how slick we, he we is, might Richard? Have the best play caller in Now they got a play caller. Okay. Okay. Back, watch, no. They lose the Dak and Mac attack. I want to yep. see what you say after watch, Sunday. Watch All right. We need to get back to the NBA because Russell Westbrook was at it again with a fan last night at the end of the Clippers debacle at home. We discuss. No Russell Westbrook got into it with a fan last night near the end of the Clippers home collapse at the hands of Reggie Jackson and the Nuggets without Joker, without Jamal Murray, without even Aaron Gordon. It appeared Westbrook had to be restrained from confronting said fan. Afterward, Westbrook told reporters, and I quote, now having kids and understanding how important it is, not just myself, but my last name, understanding what Westbrook means, understanding how important that is to my dad, my grandfather, my family, it's very important. It's something I stand on, and the respect is a big thing that I value. So the moment that line gets crossed, I won't allow it no more. I've stood for it for years, and now my son is old enough to know what's going on, asking me, hey, Dad, what does that mean? What's that? Now I got to stand on it, and regardless of where I'm at, 
what's going on. I'm always standing on that. John Sally still with us here. Your reaction to the way Westbrook reacted to that fan. Well, I blame you, Skip, because, okay. yeah, you've been calling him uh, Westbrook, and then it just it took I, off like like a California wildfire. Everybody's I, I might have started it back in 20. You started calling him that, and there. now yeah. we're in the audience. But listen, I say this. The audience pays to, to go there to relieve themselves of stress. Okay. When they go to a professional sports game, they go there, they think that they're playing, they paint their faces, they buy the jerseys, they park their car for $40, they get a $90 hot dog. <laughs> they deserve to say whatever it is they want to say, right? As long as you spell my name right, is what I used to say. It didn't make a difference. They spelled my name right, you can yell and scream. And now I played in Detroit where they booed me and they cheered me. So they sound the same to me. And that's just a fan. They're fanatic. You shouldn't even, you should be more focused on that court. The only time you should even turn and say anything to the audience is when you're up 20 and you're at the away, you're at somebody else's court. Besides that, if they would have had the same focus that he had on that person on the sideline, they wouldn't have lost at home. Mm. Right. I mean, I agree. I, I think anytime you give that much energy to a fan, it's just going to lead to more people feeling like they should be getting in your ear like that, more people trying to do it, more people, especially at this point in society, everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be go viral. And they're like, hey, man, I can get Russell Westbrook. All I got to do is keep yelling at it, keep yelling at it, and eventually I'll get his attention, and he'll be focused on me and not the game. We talked about this with the Shaq Lawson situation. If you, if you allow them an inch, you allow them to, to get under your skin at all, then everybody will feel like they have an in. Opposing players, fans, everybody. And, and fans, that's the only way they feel like they can affect the game. So if they're affecting it to the point where you're giving them real attention, like they're really a part of the game, then come on. I mean, they're going to keep going. They're gonna, you're feeding a beast. You're feeding into every other fan base that'll see that the Clippers will come in town. They'll be like, hey, we can get Russell Westbrook. We, can, we know we can get him. Everybody just, the whole crowd will get into yep. it. And yep. so the more you feed into it, the more you give yourself more problems. So that, like, like John said, you just got to let it go. You got to let it go and learn how to give hand signals. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so many or fingers you could use. Yeah, so many. <laughs> okay, to John's point. I'm going to assume that after the game, Russ was talking about that nickname, that West Brick. And I'm going to say it again. I have nothing but respect and admiration for how hard Russell plays every single dribble of every night. Because even last night, I watched the whole thing, and it was a thing because it was a collapse. They lost 36-16 to 16 in the fourth quarter at home. Again, no Joker, no Jamal, no Aaron Gordon. It was a mess. And Russ did not help his case late in the game. He stepped to the free throw line with 2.59 left. And it was still a four-point game. I think we – do we have the free throws that he shot? Air ball. Just, yeah. The, the first one hit nothing but air. Okay, that's, that's no good because the, the Clipper fans are out of their minds already and you do that and then your, your second one was also a miss. So – yeah, I think we're going to see the second one. So you had your two free throws, and you missed them both. Yeah. So now right. the last four years, 
Russ has been under 70 percent from the free throw line, which is for a point guard is just horrendously bad, obviously. The, the point is, I, I try to work up some sympathy for Russ. I know his wife has taken me on on Twitter and I I get it. But but you have to get the fact that that Russ has made what now three hundred and forty million dollars to play professional basketball. And I, I can't help it that since he entered this league, he is the single worst three-point shooter in all of basketball. It's just statistically right before your very eyes. He's 30.5%. And when he played in that same building for the Lakers, as John well knows, Mm -hmm. it got to the point where the, the old Staples Center crowd would groan the second Russ started to go into a shooting motion from the three-point line, like, oh. It's, it's just what it is. If, if Russ could fix it, if, if he could start shooting 38%, 42% from the three-point line, then nobody would call him Westbrook. If he could shoot right. 88% like Joel Embiid is shooting from the free throw line, which is just phenomenal to me. You could be seven feet tall. He's making 88% of his free throws, and he shot the most free throws in all of basketball because yeah. they give him the calls because I think in their heart of hearts they know this, this guy can make his free throws, and he gets a lot of calls he probably doesn't deserve, but he goes to the free throw line. What did he make last night? 10 out of 12, but he's at 88%. Russ is, is down at, <laughs> right now he's at 60.5%, which is at the bottom of the league from the free throw line. Well, I, I can't. I can't help it. So I try to have some sympathy for his wife and his kids, but he chose this profession. And as hard as he plays, he's a horrible three point and free throw shooter. Is that, I, I don't know. I'm just being honest about it. Yep. And, and it's hard for Russ to make peace with that because he thinks it tarnishes his, the, the, the legacy of his last name. And I don't think it does. I, that, that that's certainly not my goal. You know, just, let me just say this to yeah. you. This, this, the mentality that you, people can't yell at you is, is soft and as strong and as hard as Westbrook is. Yeah, can be. Yeah. You, he, he goes to the basket like I think oh. everybody oh. should drive to the basket. I mean, when he goes to the basket, it, it's going downhill. It looks like he really looks like a fullback that just got a, a short pass. Hell bent. Yes. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. I know this because I, at one time, couldn't shoot foul shots. And then Bill Lambert said to me, um, <clears throat> every time you miss a foul shot, it's $100,000 out of your pocket. <laughs> Ooh. And once he said that, and I said, what do you mean? He said, imagine if we would pay you for 48 minutes a game and you would have hit those foul shots, you would then be making $2 million a game mm. a-, a year. Yeah. Once Bill Lambert told me in the idea of money, I understood how precious each point was. Mm. And just like you can work on your jump shot, you can work on your spin moves, and you can work on your strength, you can work. There's a guy named Pat Miller. Yeah, Coach, I'm giving you a shout-out. They need to go find Pat Miller. Mm. Call up here. I leave his number for these guys. Pat Miller will teach you how to shoot a foul shot. Mm. He worked with Dennis Rodman, and he worked with myself. Mm. I obviously uh, benefited. But that was the mentality. He, How much did you improve from the free throw I, line? I went from like a six, shooting like a big man to shooting like a small forward, I think 75, 70. Okay, that works. You, it you, works. It, yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And all it does is it's repetition. The same amount of time you put in to doing everything else, you should put into this. Okay. Richard, you, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. You got to put yeah. you got to put the work in. But I mean, he's been in the league long enough. I don't know if anything's changing at no. this point. I don't, you know, he's won an MVP. Yeah. He's four times, you know, triple average a triple double. Yes, he never did in the history of the game has been done. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's going to improve. But right now, I think hey, Russ, I, I feel what he's saying. I feel he's like, hey, this is my le- name, my legacy. Yeah. I'm not going to let it be sullied. But the more power you give the fans, the more right. power you take away from yourself and your team. Yeah. And so if I was him, I, I'd let it go because you've given these people power they don't deserve. They're paying mm-hmm. to go watch you play. They're paying they to are. put your jersey on, to cheer, to boo you. Don't give them power like they can control your emotions or no. get you out of your game. That's well said. Because it's not going to benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And remember the context at the end of the game. They have lost to those nuggets, yeah. and you just airballed a free throw. What do you expect? That a fan, an outraged fan, might Reggie yell Jackson at you. Got 35, yeah. Reggie Jackson made 15 out of 19 Reggie. shots. Ex Clipper, what a game he had. Yeah. Okay, I mean, up next. Dornett, we, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got to get back to 49ers at Eagles. Debo calls Bradbury trash and will not back off. Here we go. No mercy. No mercy. After the 49ers lost at Philadelphia in last year's NFC Championship game, Debo Samuel went on the I Am Athlete podcast and called Eagles cornerback James Bradbury trash. Debo has now doubled down, saying he has no regrets about what he said. As the 49ers get ready to head back to Philadelphia for a game you can see on Fox at 425 Eastern this Sunday. So now Eagles receiver A.J. Brown is encouraging Eagles fans to troll Debo on social media. Richard Sherman, do you like or have a problem with what Debo called Bradbury? I mean, I don't have any problem with trash talk, Skip, obviously. literal trash talk. If you back it up, yeah, I I have no problem with it at all. You get to, because this is a game where you get to settle it all on the field. You can talk a big game if you don't back it up. You got to live with that. You got to deal with the consequences. You got to hear the fans chirp. You got to, but if you do, then you get to double down after the game. It motivates players. It, it, it puts a fire inside of you. It puts a fire inside of your opponent. You know, there are some people out there that say, don't wake the sleeping bear and don't poke the dragon and all that. Some people think they are the bear and they are the dragon and they shouldn't be poked. So when they're talking, they're talking from that perspective. I was one of those players. You think I think I'm the man. I believe I'm the man. So when I'm speaking to you, I don't have any any regrets. I don't have any fear of retribution because I am I am the storm. And so I got no problem with this. We get to see a great game on Sunday. Okay, so so Richard, do you think Debo thinks he's the storm? I 100% think Debo thinks he's the storm. No question. And you do know Debo. Okay, do you think he really believes, heart of hearts, that Bradbury is trash? I mean, I I doubt he thinks he's totally trash. You know, Bradbury's been an all-pro in this league, and so I highly doubt it, but if it's, you know, they made maybe they got into some kind of altercation during the game that we didn't see yeah. where they went back and forth and said some things. So when you get frustrated and getting your feelings about it, you're going to call a guy whatever you feel like calling him at the time. <laughs> yeah, this is just like Hassan Reddick's situation, right? Debo, Debo Samuel is a Swiss Army knife for the San Francisco 49ers. 
The problem with that knife, it was dull in the playoffs last year. It was dull. It wasn't sharp. Okay, when you look at what he did in the running game, it was what? Minus nine yards, minus 1.5 on an average per carry. You mean in the playoff game in Philadelphia? In Philadelphia. Okay, all right. So when you look at that, you look at it and go, oh, man. So Bradbury has the upper hand. When you look at his receptions, he had three for 33 yards. He has the upper hand. Okay, but he lost his quarterback. No, I understand. I I get what happened in the game, Skip. I'm just saying so Bradbury could talk the talk. Just like uh, uh, Hassan Reddick. You can talk the talk, but that was last year. A lot of things changed between last year and this regular season game coming up in terms of personnel, what they might do, how they might double, how they might move guys around. Mm. I don't foresee that stat line being the same for Debo in Sunday's game in Philadelphia as it was a year ago Mm. in the NFC Championship game. Mm. I think Debo will have a much better game. Part of it is like Richard said, self-motivation. The fact that you call the dude trash, now whether or not he really believes the dude is trash, if I was to call somebody trash in the game, it's probably because I really believe it based on the film that I'm watching. Because a lot of guys in the league, and Richard knows this, you can cover them up now. You make them right. appear to be more, <laughs> more than what they are, Skip. Mm-hmm. And then if you got a dominant player, we can unveil his true colors mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. I've done it many times over. So I understand what Debo is saying. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's fun. Okay, Me did you ever use that word to a cornerback's face? I, in, in a game? Yep. Yeah, in a game. Now, I, wasn't a, gotcha. I was not a newspaper article well, hype guy, but if I caught you on the field, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to you. I might just walk past you and say something about your girlfriend that I happen to know her name, or I might know her friend who knows her. <laughs> You're so petty. What you mean? That's pretty petty. What you, I can, no, I can no. tell you a story. I'm going to give you a real quick story. I'm playing against a team in Minnesota. <laughs> and you know how they always do the kissing cam and the jumbotron and all those sort of things? And there was a certain player that I caught a pass on, and he tackled me, and we walked up. <laughs> I'm so petty. We walk up. I'm looking back at the, the diamond vision to look and see, you know, the big screen. Like, oh, okay. As we walk back to the huddle, they pan to these girls in the stands, and Richard, you know what I said? Knowing that I knew what I knew, oh, how, when did she get out here? I just saw her on Friday. Uh, no, you did not. Oh. No, you did not. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I, I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I was, hey, look, I'm scandalous. But that's just, that's you all are, part you of are it. You are the worst. No, that's all part it of is. it. All right, but you didn't go newspaper on it. You, no, you I never, I was never a newspaper guy. I always talked their trash okay. on the field. And then if, if they told somebody, yeah. then that's on them. I, I, but I always whispered to people, you know. Okay, last quick point on Debo. What I don't know is the backstory of this. If they got into it during the game and there were insults exchanged, because I didn't know if he was calling him personal trash or player trash, because there's a big difference between I just don't like the guy or he can't cover anybody, right? It's probably, it's probably more uh, yeah. lighter. Okay. Well, yeah, I, yeah. He's, he's talking real. He's, he, 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 he's talking on the field, I would imagine, just hey, to spice he, it up. He is called and nicknamed Debo for a reason. So I'm, I'm with you, Richard. He is the bear. So if anybody can back this up on Sunday, it's this guy. Yeah, I'll tell Richard to cut his hair, or else I'm going to cut it for him. Really? 
Ooh. Yeah, and, and you, you would have had you would have had your stats cut that Ooh. game. There you <laughs> go. A rough game, kids. <laughs> some real trash talk going on here. All right, I'm about to talk some trash because my Cowboys are favored by nine over Seattle. Richard, are you kidding? No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. My Dallas Cowboys are now nine-point favorites over the visiting Seahawks Thursday night at Jerry World. Richard Sherman, you will be there on Thursday night. You picked the Seahawks already to win this game. Are you at all concerned by this point spread? I am not, Skip. I'm not concerned at all. I look forward to being at this game on Prime. I am excited. I, 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 mm, Skip, I can't wait. You can't wait. Okay. Yeah, I, look. I think Seattle is struggling right now to do some things, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Do I think Dallas is going to win the game? Yeah, I do. I I do. I think they'll win the game. I wouldn't be shocked or surprised, though, if they lose the game. But I'm picking them to win. You always say that. I'm picking them, but I won't be surprised. No, 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 no. I don't always say that. Well, on any given Sunday, you aren't surprised about anything in the NFL. See, you're getting ready to make me mad, and I was trying to give you some love. Okay. Well, Keep talking, and I'm going to pick the Seahawks. You're giving me that sort of Keep talking, and I'm going to pick the Seahawks. That backdoor love, that's backdoor, right? No, it's the Seahawks. They've been struggling lately. Yeah. That's all. All right. What are we I, talking I'm a little about surprised here? by the nine-point spread. I'll be honest about it, but Skip I think gonna make gonna me win. mad, Richard. Yeah. I'm gonna pick the Cowboy. I mean, I'm right. Seattle. That is it for Undisputed. Like it. We're back tomorrow at 9:30 Eastern, and I can't wait.